0: Hello friends, it's great to be joining with you again on this launch weekend, as we launch into a new year together. And let me begin today with a story. It's actually from Dr. Charles Kahn, who is a chancellor of Lee University down in the States. And he tells a story of being in the city of Atlanta a number of years ago. And he noticed in the restaurant section of the city guide that he had, an entry for a restaurant called Church of God Grill seemed like an odd name. His curiosity was piqued, so he dialed the number. A man answered with a very happy, Hello, Church of God Grill. So Dr. Khan asked the guy how the restaurant came to have such an unusual name. And the man explained, Well, we actually had a little church down here, and we started selling chicken dinners after church on Sunday to help pay the bills. And people loved our chicken. In fact, we did such good business, we finally decided to just cut back on and finally we eventually eliminated, we dropped our worship services. And then after a little while longer, we just closed down the church and kept on serving chicken dinners. But we kept the name Church of God Grill. Now I'd suggest that was a church that lost its focus and purpose which is a very easy thing to do. I mean, we can see similar principles at work in most of life, can't we? Truly, I mean, be it in our jobs or in our schooling, our family life, or our hobbies, our sports, just the great benefit of having clarity of purpose and direction to know what we're doing here. Now, although we've been journeying through an unprecedented time for all of us, We're now moving into that transition from summer towards fall. Sorry about that. We're moving from a season of a new kind of summer holidays into the start of a new year at at school, at work, and for us as we're gathering together. So as we launch into this new year together, it seems fitting that we just start by asking, okay, so what are we doing here? I mean, I want each of us to be clear on this. So really, whether you've been part of Southview for many years, or this is your first time joining with us today, I want you to move into this coming year thinking, I know what Southview is launching into this year, because we would love for you to join with us on the journey we're heading into. Okay, so what is the main thing for us as a church, the body of Christ this year? Because there can be a lot of confusion about even that. And there's so much we could say on this, but I'm just going to focus on three objectives, just three directional realities that really will guide us into this year. All right, so a first objective for us, a first guiding reality for us. And to pull that out, uh, turn with me to Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And the Apostle Paul wrote these words in Colossians chapter 1. And as we hear it, remember, friends, this is a word of God. And Paul writes here, beginning in verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil. Okay, so as we launch into this year together, what's our starting point? What is our first directional reality? Friends, it's simply Christ. We proclaim Christ. I mean, Jesus is our focus. And for this, for him, we toil. Okay, now that might seem obvious. In fact, you might be thinking, I mean, of course he is, we're a church. But I think it's easy to miss the mark on this. Because as one author put it, that therefore means we do not proclaim just clever human insights. We do not firstly proclaim self-improvement or stress management or life balance or career enhancement. We do not proclaim just a system of beliefs. We don't proclaim a political agenda. We do not proclaim a set of traditions. We don't proclaim the superior superiority of church people over unchurch people, supposedly. We proclaim Christ. And we proclaim Christ because we believe he is the light of the world, that he is a creator and sustainer of all that exists, that he's the head of this church, that he is the kingdom bringer, he's a sin bearer, he is a death defeater, he, he is a life giver. And we believe that to invite Jesus into a life, it touches a place in the human soul that nothing else can touch. So we are betting the farm. We are staking our lives. We are devoting ourselves fully to the crucified and resurrected Carpenter of Nazareth. We proclaim Christ. That's what we do. I mean, that's our starting point. That's our first directional reality, simply, It's Jesus. And therefore, this is our mission. You've perhaps heard us state it before, but this is what it is. To lead as many as possible, therefore, to passionately follow Jesus. Just say that with me, would you? To lead as many as possible to passionately follow Jesus. That's what we're up to. So let me put it this way. If we come to the end of this year, like next August, and say, wow, we've added multiple new ministries. We've improved our classroom space situation. We've met our financial budget. We've added more seating. We've kind of beefed up our website. We've involved greater numbers and in, in wide programs. If that's the best we can say, and again, those are all good things, but if that's all we can say, we will have missed the mark. I mean, those things might be a means to an end, but they are certainly not the end. They're not the primary goal for which we are aiming. But on the other hand, if we can come to the end of this year and can say, we have led by God's grace several hundred people along the pathway of either coming to first know and understand about Jesus, or turning in faith to Christ as our Lord, or, growing in maturity as a follower of Christ and child of God, so that they're they're now enjoying and living out and proclaiming the reality of new life in Christ. If we can say that, then we'll be able to say, okay, that is exactly what we wanted to be doing. We hit the mark. Because our first objective, our focus, is Christ. Therefore, That leads us to a second objective. Again, what are we called to do as the body of Christ? We are called simply, as we've said, to passionately follow Jesus. Or to put it another way, you could say it is to form or be formed as disciples of Jesus. Okay, therefore, our second directional reality as we move into this year is simply this. It's discipleship discipleship. Now, that word disciple, it's an old world word with possibly not so great connotations. But really, the original Greek word that we translate as disciple, it's a Greek word, mathetes, And, and mathetes, disciple in Jesus' day, that simply meant a student or really an apprentice. So in biblical times, if you were a disciple of or an apprentice of, let's say, a carpenter, you would follow that carpenter, watch him work with wood, build walls, furniture, observe the way he did life, and then after walking with and learning from that master carpenter, then you would eventually do the same kind of work just like he did. Okay, so if, if we have said, I want to follow Jesus, then we, friends, are apprentices of him. We're his disciples, and that's where we want us all to be heading. I mean, Jesus himself taught about the centrality of this discipleship often. In fact, listen to one thing he says about it. This is in the Gospel of Luke. In in Luke chapter 14, Jesus says this, as great crowds were beginning to follow him. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so Jesus then goes on to say, therefore, you need to plan for, you really need to count the cost of following me because there is a cost to following me, Jesus says. And then he adds this in verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So Jesus is saying, if there is anything that you should be clear and focused and intentional about in your life, it's following me. It's being my disciple. Okay, so what are we about this year And, and truly every year? Secondly, discipleship. Or to put that another way, being formed, transformed to live like Jesus. And if that sounds a bit overwhelming, maybe it sounds a bit intimidating, Discipleship, living like Jesus? I mean, Jesus, he was a holy man. He was a prophet, teacher, Messiah, Lord. He was God in the flesh. Live like Jesus. Well, listen to what Jesus said about this. This is again in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter six, verse 40. Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be what? Like his teacher. Who's our teacher? Who's our rabbi? Who's our Lord? It's him. That's discipleship. Kind of just to try to put that a bit more succinctly, understand this. Discipleship is learning to live as Jesus would if Jesus was living my life. Let me say that again. Discipleship is learning to live as Jesus would if Jesus was living my life. Again, that, if that sounds intimidating or overwhelming, just begin with this. Love the people around you. Just start there. Now, you might hear all of that, and you might already be thinking, okay, well, we need help even with that. We, we sure do. We need help with that. That's why it's encouraging to note what the apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 in verse 2. Paul wrote this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Because understand this, discipleship isn't learning a bunch of facts or just head knowledge. Discipleship is about personal transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, beginning next weekend, in our online liturgy and on-site worship services, we're going to jump into Romans chapter 12 together to see how can we experience this kind of transformed way of living. So the new teaching series we're just calling, kind of fittingly, Transformed. And I so hope you can join us as we walk through that in coming weeks. Now, if you're thinking, but I actually don't want to be transformed. I really don't want to change. I kind of am fine with how I am. Well, then you're probably in the wrong place. Because life with Jesus, life as a disciple of Jesus, it is a life of transformation. Okay, but you might be thinking, okay, discipleship is good. Yes, absolutely. But aren't we to be concerned with reaching out to others with the love and good news of Christ? Absolutely. So the question is, what's the best way for us to do that? We believe that we're discipled growing in Christ so that we're equipped to go out with the love and good news of Christ. To put that another way, friends, our primary method of outreach is discipleship. It's being formed in Christ. It's it's not primarily outreach programs that are gonna do it for us. It is each of us being equipped as a follower of Jesus. Mike Breen, he was a former British Anglican rector, he put it this way. This is the crux of it. The reason the missional or outreach movement may fail is because most people in communities in the Western church are pretty bad at making disciples. Without a plan for making disciples and a plan that works, any outreach ministry you launch will be completely unsustainable. If your church community is not yet competent at making disciples who can make disciples, please don't send your members out on mission until you have a growing sense of confidence in your ability to train, equip, and disciple them. Okay, so what are we focusing on this year? Above all, firstly, it's Christ. And then secondly, flowing out of that relationship, it's discipleship. And then there's a third directional reality I want us to be clear on. There's a particular aspect to the way we are formed, disciple in Jesus, that we're going to be focusing on continually through this year. You've likely heard us talk about it often before if you've been around here. And one place we read of it is in the book of Proverbs. The author of Proverbs chapter 27 puts it this way in verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man, one woman, sharpens another. Okay, now to picture this, think back to an, an ancient blacksmith, kind of making swords, let's say. Friends are like that. That kind of coming alongside where they are, they're always challenging us, even pushing us, even sharpening us to live out who we truly are in Christ. In fact, the book of James puts it this way, in James 5:16, kind of sobering words, confess your sins to each other. Okay, that, that's deep, authentic community, confessing your sins to one another. And that's the way that life is to be lived in the body of Christ. It's, it's like Jesus with his disciples. He sent them out, not as lone wolves, but two by two. So really, a third directional reality for this year, how does discipleship happen best? Here's how we put it. It's life on life, LOL. That's what we believe. We have a conviction, really born of evidence, discipleship, learning to follow Jesus. It doesn't happen best in a classroom or in a shiny new program or even in an online or on-site gathering like we're doing right now. Even those things, though those things can help greatly in it. But as Jesus modeled for us, discipleship happens best, most fruitfully, by walking through life, growing as a disciple, with a few spiritual friends. There's a beautiful old Celtic saying that puts it this way a a person without a soul friend is like a body without a head. It is vital, they believed, to have these kind of spiritual friendships. And so a spiritual friend, that's just somebody who, for one, generally you like being with. Secondly, they are likewise seeking to grow in their relationship with Christ. And then thirdly, one more thing, they love you. They love you enough that they're willing to risk discomfort in your relationship to point you to good. They are willing to risk, to to be honest, to take off our masks together, to help us grow closer to Christ. You know, part of the reason why people can get jaded and cynical about the church is because churches often don't take authentic community and relationships seriously. I mean, there'll be relational breakdowns, there'll be gossip, there'll be unresolved conflict, and people just kinda let it fester. Not here, right? Not here. Let's not, that, let's not let that be the case here because we wanna be this an authentic, relational community of Jesus. And, and not just in a sense of come and sit in the same seat week after week or year after year. It, it's not just in a sense watch the online liturgy at the same time every weekend. No. Authentic relational community means dying to what kind of is a national art form of limp management. And becoming brave enough and humble enough to really bear my soul with a few others life on life. Okay, what do you mean by limp management? Well, there's a famous story in the Old Testament, a beautiful story of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And through the course of their life, they come to hate each other. They're estranged from one another for many years. And after many years, they're finally gonna see each other. But the night before they meet, Jacob has this encounter with God. It says he wrestled, what did that look like, with God. And God touched Jacob on his hip and he was injured. And so Jacob ends up walking with a limp. So the next morning, his brother Esau sees Jacob coming a long way off, but there's something different this time because now Jacob is limping. Now, we don't know for sure, but that limp might've been part of the reason why Esau's heart melted And why they ended up in each other's arms. They ended up weeping together. They ended up brothers again. And the point being, friends, we each have a limp. In fact, just turn to the person next to you and say, you have a limp. Let them know. But we live in a part of the world that says, no, no, just hide your limp. Look strong, look self-sufficient. I mean, sometimes I I think I spend much of my life just doing limp management, trying to look better than I really am. But people are longing to be honest with one another. A friend from our church family who's a medical doctor just mentioned to me some time ago, he said, when people come into our medical office, they pour out their lives to us. We hear about it all about the addictions, the stresses, burdens, brokenness, relational issues, because they're longing for health. They're longing for healing. You know, wouldn't we love for this, for Southview to be a place where people with every kind of limp can feel like, I can just limp in there, and it's okay. I'm loved. You know, oddly, tragically, churches tend to become the kind of place where we hide, where we put on religious masks more than anywhere else. And friends, that just doesn't work with authentic discipleship. And one of the great antidotes to that pull to hide, that isolation, it is walking, learning life on life with others be it in a small group or in discipleship huddles or just in spiritual friendships. And you think, what this year, what if that was true for the hundreds of us that are part of so If we were walking, living in that kind of way. So there are three directional realities that I wanna make sure we catch today. What are we focused on this year? For one, first directional objective It's Christ. We are all about life in Jesus. Second reality, second focus, it's discipleship. It's us being apprentices of Jesus. And then the third reality is simply this. How does that discipleship happen best? It's life on life, LOL, together. And friends, as we move into this year with those directions, those objectives, We would love to have you join on this journey this year. And if you're wondering, well, so Clyde, what are the prerequisites? What's required in this to be part of this? Do I have to kind of get my life in order? Do I need to kind of look more churchly? No, just one requirement. You need to be thirsty. You need to be seeking more, be seeking true life. In fact, Jesus himself put it this way. "This is in the Gospel of John. in John 7:37. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus stood up and he cried out, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink." So, if you're satisfied with life as it is, with status quo, if you kind of just want to be king of your own life, honestly <laughs> you probably won't want to be here. I'll just annoy you. But listen, if you are thirsty, it doesn't matter what you have done or how big a mess you think your life is or how unchristian you think you look or even want to look. Jesus says to you, right now, come. Come to me. And so... Let's call out him in prayer as we move in this year. Will you pray with me? And Father, how we thank you for the incredible invitation you give to us, the life you extend to us through your son. And Father, I pray these realities we spoke of would be true of us this year, that in ways beyond our imagining, the presence and reality and truth of Christ would dwell among us, would expand among us, Father. We pray we authentically would be learning to be apprentices, disciples of Jesus, mold us, transform us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. And Father, in all this, I pray you would prompt us in these relational connections for each one of us that we would have the gift of life on life with others as we journey through this year, whatever it holds. In all this, we pray, and ask that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. So hope you can join with us next weekend, friends, as we start this new transformed teaching series. And as you walk into whatever this week holds for you, go out with these words of encouragement. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.